idea of um, the pastor or the shepherd of the flock, and then he talks about the uh, church at Ephesus, and the Bible says, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And uh, the idea of these churches are the candlesticks that give the light that God has given to them. And our responsibility as a church is to hold forth the truth. The Bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground upon which truth rests. And uh, the psalmist, I believe it was, said this, um, If truth is fallen, what can the righteous do? The idea that we are to be busy and diligent proclaiming, defending, and protecting the uh, Word of God and uh, getting the Word of God out there, that we uphold the truth, that we're the bearers, we're the ones responsible for the truth that God has given to us. And the idea here of a church being a candlestick, if you'll remember back to Matthew chapter number 5 in the similitudes, the Lord speaks of the fact that we are the light of the world, and He speaks about we are like a candle. The Bible says that if that candle is put on a candlestick, that it will give light unto the whole room. But if it's put under a bushel, it will hide its light. And there are a bunch of little lights that are sitting here today in Keith Heights Baptist Church. And our church needs to be a candlestick to take that light and lift it up and to shed it out and shine it out into a dark, dark world. I don't think there would be too many of us here today that would disagree with the idea that we're in a very dark world today. And our world, what they need is not a better politician or a better set of laws to live by. What our world needs is more of the Bible. It needs more of God's love. It needs more of God's people to stand and proclaim the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. And he says in verse number 2, and I want you to notice this about the church at Ephesus. God is very complimentary of them. He commends them for a great deal of things. And in verse number 2, he says, I know thy works. Boy, to some people, to hear that phrase being said by God would be a cause for us to kind of be a little bit embarrassed or shamed. But not to the church at Ephesus. When God said, I know thy works, it was something that was meant as a compliment. He says this, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Can I tell you this, that the church at Ephesus had a love for righteousness. And boy, I tell you, we're living in a world where there needs to be a revival of people that love that which is good and they hate that which is evil. Uh, we live in a topsy-turvy world, a world that has tried to turn that backwards, haven't they? The Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And the idea that uh, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll succumb to the same philosophy the world has. I am appalled at how many Christian friends of mine I've seen uh, posting things or, or saying things to me or uh, talking about things uh, regarding uh, uh, their reason for uh, voting for a particular person. And they start bringing up issues and their view of the issues are completely backwards with what the Bible has to say. They're, they're looking at the good things that the Bible says, and they're saying, oh, no, those are bad things. And then they're looking at the things the Bible talks about that are bad things, and they're saying, oh, no, those are good things. And we're living in a world where, if we're not careful, even the Christians are falling after this whole lie of the fact that evil is good and good is evil. Not the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was one, the Bible says here, that could not bear them which were evil. These were, this was a church that had righteousness and holiness as part of it. Uh, when someone tried to bring corruption and, and sinful things into the church, the church didn't tolerate it. They said, no, no, we don't want any of that in our church. 
There was a love for righteousness. There was a hatred of that which was evil. And can I tell you this, that uh, the Bible says here in verse number 2, that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. They had a love for doctrine. Amen? And we need to have a revival of that. We need to have a revival of churches that will get back to, Thus saith the Lord. Here's what the Bible says about it. They have a love for this. It says that there were some that uh, would say that they were apostles and that they were not, and has found them to be liars. They tried them. They held them up to a standard, and they measured them, and they found them wanting. And, and we look at that and we say, well, is it right for a church to judge? Oh, absolutely. We better be judging. We just better be careful that we judge it by the right standard. There's only one standard that a church and, and those that, that make up the, the membership of a church ought be judged by, and that is the standard of the Word of God. We don't judge ourselves, the Bible says, by ourselves. We never look at somebody and say, well, they're not as good as this person, or that person's not as good as that person, or that person's got this problem, and I don't. We always come to Scripture. And we say, okay, how do we line up with Scripture? And we find the doctrine of God's Word. We find the things that are established, the things that are truth. And the church at Ephesus, they loved righteousness, and they loved doctrine. I want you to notice this. The Bible says in verse number 3, "...and hast borne..." and hast patience for my name's sake. They were steadfast. When times of disappointment, times of persecution came, these were folks that were bearing the, the weight and the, the burden of laboring. They were bearing the burden of persecution. They were bearing things that would go down, uh, that would take them down to the valley of despair sometimes, and they were standing strong and being steadfast. And by the way, Churches today need to have a revival, don't they, of being steadfast. I'm so tired and sick of seeing churches that every time society changes and every time personal and public opinion changes, their doctrine changes. They try to fit society. Can I tell you this? We have one thing that we try to fit, and that is the Word of God. It is our standard. This church, I mean, if you look at the church at Ephesus, there's a lot good to be said at Ephesus, isn't there? They are lovers of righteousness. They hate the things that are evil. They have a desire for doctrine. They, they want to be right. They want to be truthful. And then they, they withstand. They, they, they are steadfast in the face of adversity. And they have a great idea to serve the Lord. They, the Bible says in verse number 2, he says, I know thy works and thy labor. And can I tell you this? They had a love for service. And I'll tell you, if you were to look at this church, if this church was located in Festus, Missouri today, we would look at a church like that and say, boy, that's a church I could belong to. That's a church that is doing right. That's a church that loves righteousness, that has a, a strong emphasis on, on biblical doctrine. They, they hate the things that are evil. They're serving God. They're doing everything that they ought to be doing. And yet, there was something about this church that God had a problem with. And can I tell you this, that it is possible for a church outwardly and on the surface and in every possible metric that you can measure them by from man's opinion, appear to be a biblical New Testament church and yet have a problem with it. We find in verse number 4 that God writes this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because... Thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. I was uh, 
when I went to Bible college, I shared with the folks Wednesday night, I was involved in two different ministries of, of, of college, Bible college. And uh, when I went to Bible college, I had uh, uh, the emphasis at both of those colleges was on serving God first. I mean, it was, it was all about giving the hours and, and uh, boy, don't sleep. You didn't dare sleep. If you, if you ever slept, you weren't right with God. And you could barely eat. If you, you, could take the eat, you could take the food, and as long as you were eating it between houses of the doors you knocked, you were okay. But if you took time to eat, now that was, that was backslidden. And there was a lot, of, and I, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating to, to a slight degree, but that really was the, philosophy, that was the, 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 the thing that was portrayed, all right? That above all things, service was first. Can I tell you this? The church at Ephesus, I think, had this problem. Boy, they, they, were, they were focused. They were on track. Their eyes were in the right place. They're trying to please God. They're trying to be the kind of church outwardly that God would be pleased with. Somebody said this years ago, there are three things that make up every person. What we know, what we do, and what we are. And in our churches today, a lot of focus is placed on what we know, and a lot of it's placed on what we do, and very little is placed on what we are. Churches pride themselves, don't they, on what they do. Boy, I tell you what, we had a big day. We saw so many people baptized last year. Oh, we saw so many numbers added to the church. That's our mark of success. Not according to Scripture, that's not. God is more concerned with what is in here. And now let me help you with something. We can focus on knowing and doing and not focus on the heart and be as wrong as can be. God's power and God's favor and God's blessing is is not anywhere near that. We, We labor and we get frustrated because we don't see the fruit that we think we ought to be seeing. But when the heart is what it ought to be, then the service will be what it should be. When the heart is what it ought to be, then our our desire and our hunger and thirst to know more about God will be what it should be. But God comes to the church at Ephesus and says, you know, your your outside is, is great. It's everything a New Testament church ought to be. But He said, I have somewhat against you, because thou hast left thy first love. Can I tell you that the greatest part of a church is not in its facilities. It is not in its programs. It's not in its curriculum for the Sunday school. It's not in having a vibrant youth program or an active senior citizen program. It's not about uh, whether or not it has a good bus ministry. It's not about the choir or the music program. Can I tell you this? The greatest part of a church is going to be whether or not it is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and whether or not it is walking with God. That is the most important part of a church. Can I tell you, if a church will love God the way that it should, when it has as its first love, the Lord Jesus Christ, then the ministries will take care of themselves. I, I, I never cease to be amazed how many uh, seminars, and, and I, I mean, there's hardly a week goes by I don't get some kind of mail 
or some kind of email or some kind of phone call saying, Pastor, we're having this, this seminar of how you can increase your numbers in your church. We're having a seminar on how you can have this ministry get better and how you can have that ministry get better. I wish we'd just have a seminar that say, we're going to teach you how to love God more. I wish we had a seminar that would that would say, you know what, let's bring the church here and let's learn, let, let's teach them how that they can fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ all over again and make Him their first love. You know what the, the, the first love of some churches is? The first love of some churches is the praise of other churches at what they're doing. Sometimes their first love is the praise from other people about how they live their life. That's what they really love. Can I tell you this? Our first love better be the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. I'm not against standards. I think standards are wonderful. I think we look at them backwards, though. We try to come up with standards to make ourselves spiritual, and that's the wrong direction. We need to focus on trying to be spiritual so that we'll have the right standards. We need to work about what's on the inner man, and the Bible speaks so highly of this. We need to work on the thing that's in the heart of man. For the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Keep thy tongue from evil. Keep thy heart with all diligence, the Bible says, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, that we would learn to keep our first love intact. This church at Ephesus was commended by what they were outwardly. But Jesus had some concerns, didn't He? God had a few concerns about this church. And it wasn't in what they were outwardly, but it had a lot to do with their relationship with Him. Their light and their love that they were supposed to be portraying to a lost and dying world was not its strength, because its strength would would lie in the fact that they loved God with all of their hearts. This was a church that was full of duty. They were full of obedience. They were full of teaching uh, the right things. But there was a lack of devotion to God. We talked about this a little bit Wednesday night, and we've talked about this before in this church. That when it comes time for us to do to have our, our time with the Lord, that we need to get out of this mindset of just uh, punching the clock, so to speak, and getting our devotions out of the way. Instead of having devotions, let's learn to be devoted. Let's get to the place where we take the Bible and instead of checking off our reading schedule, we come to it and we, we get in our, our closets alone with the Lord where we have time to have our, our minds free of distraction. And we, we, we feast. We feast upon God's Word. We hunger and we thirst and we delight in God's Word. Anything that begins to take the place of these types of things of devotion in our lives becomes our first love. And if it, if it fails to be God, if God fails to be our first love, then that which takes up the most of our priorities and our time is our first love. I found this, that when I want to determine what the priority of my life is, I look at what I spend my time on, and I look at what I spend my money on. And I can tell you what the priorities of my life are. Are they my first love? There's a danger of a church being all that it should be and yet leave their first love. Can I say this? I'm thankful for the wonderful, wonderful spirit of this church, aren't you? I really am. I think God's brought a great work in this church. I was telling somebody the other day, our church has grown unbelievably. 
They said, oh, really? How many people? I said, it doesn't, it's not the number. I'm looking at what God has done here in this group. It's amazing to see. And there's a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But lest we get exalted above measure, there's a danger of losing that first love. So what do we do? If and when a time comes where we begin to see that we're going through the motions of doing all the stuff we are supposed to do outwardly. And by the way, I've seen churches like that, haven't you? Churches that years past were, were thriving churches. I mean, they had a heart for God. They had people that would give themselves so wholly to that ministry because they loved God with all of their hearts. Pastors that led the people to love God with all their hearts and their focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God blessed the church and the church was serving and the church was right and the church was strong. And, and then years later, the church is still attempting to do all of the outward things, but they've lost, they've lost the first love. The light has been removed. Look at the message. In verse number uh, 5, I want you to notice this. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy what? Candlestick out of thy place. If a church loses its first love, and it does not get back to where it needs to be, God has said that He'll remove the candlestick. You know what that means? That means there's going to be a light, but it's not going to be giving light to the whole room anymore. The candlestick is gone. Can I tell you this today? There is something that God has given us here. And aren't you glad when God tells us what we can do to fix these problems? I'd much rather God tell me what I need to do to fix them than for me to scratch my head and say, okay, let's see what we can come up with to try to fix this. I'd rather do what God says, wouldn't you? Let's see what He says here. As we look down verse number 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Can I tell you this? One thing we need to remember is who left. Who's the one that departed? It certainly wasn't God, was it? And so we need to understand that it was us. He says this, I want you to remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. We spoke a little bit about this in Sunday school. But, you know, we need to remember back to the time that we had the zeal and the excitement and the joy of the Christian life. We need to remember back to the time when it was time for us to go to our time of devotion or our prayer closet or wherever it is that God has for us to spend time with Him. We need to look back to the time that we longed for that. I've heard people say, even recently sometimes, that there are times, and I've been there, trust me, this is nothing new. But there are people who said, boy, you know, used to we'd, we'd be like, okay, we have to go to church because it's time to go to church. But isn't it much better when you, when you can't wait to get home from church or from work on Wednesday and be like, boy, I, I don't want to be late for church. We've got to be there. I'm excited about it. That's the first love. That's when we don't have to, we get to. Can I tell you this? When it comes to our time for Bible reading and time for prayer and our time to walk with God, which is what affects this, Right here. Do we drudgingly and grudgingly go to it and say, well, I know i got to do it, so here we go. Pastor said I ought to have a time with the Lord every day, so here I go. Or is it a great joy 
You know, the Bible talks about in Psalm 1, the blessed man being the man that not only keeps himself from, from three different types of people, but it says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. Do we delight in the things of the Lord? Do we delight in our time of devotion? The, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching this church. He said, look, outwardly you're doing great, but you've left your first love. Here's how you get back to it. First of all, you need to remember what it used to be like. You need to go back to that time. You need to go back to that place. And by the way, we've taught on this in our church before. That when you're on a mountaintop experience, put some kind of landmark there. Write it in your Bible. Do something to go back to a place where you can remember, boy, that was a great time. Say, boy, that's what I want once again. There have been numerous times in my life that I've been so on fire for the Lord, and boy, the heart was... You ever been there where it's just, it just wants to pop for all the joy that it has? And then there's been times I've gotten cold and distant. I mean, there's times it's been a prolonged time. And I've sat down and I've shed tears and I've pleaded with God, Lord, help me get back to there. Oh, I need to get back to there. There was a time of my life in the early part of ministry that I was so busy doing the work of the ministry that I got burned out, I got tired. And I could read my Bible and get nothing out of it for months, for a year probably, or better, maybe two years. I would pray and it seemed like God wasn't even there. I had remembered the time when I was in college that I would come home after my third shift job and get down beside a couch and spend some time with the Lord at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And oh, let me tell you, there were some sweet times. And I got to that time in my life where things were cold, and I said, Lord, I need that. I need to get back there. I, I had lost my tears. I couldn't even cry. Now I began to ask God to give me my tears back, and then He gave them to me so much I can't quit from it. Now I'm like, Lord, okay, that's enough of them. <laughs> Just give me a medium amount there. But boy, I tell you what, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God allows us to remember the times where He was doing such great work in our hearts and we were so yielded and excited about Him. God says when you leave your first love, you need to go back to a place of remembrance. You need to remember what it used to be like. Notice He says here also in verse number 5, and repent. Repent. Don't just look at where you used to be. Turn back to it. I've got to get back there. You remember Jacob? We just got done studying him here a few months ago. When he first left and he was fleeing Esau, and God met with him. God met with him. And he woke up and he built an altar to the Lord and he put up a landmark there. Do you know later on in Jacob's life, when he had kind of grown stagnant and his family was beginning to follow after idols, he said, I want you guys to put your idols away and we're going back to Bethel. And he went back there for a place of remembrance and a place to say, that's where God met with me. And if that's what it takes for me to get back where I need to be, then that's where I'm going. There needs to be repentance. And then I want you to notice this. He says, I want you to do your first works. I want you to do your first works. There's been a lot of discussion on this phrase, and I've heard preachers preach on it, and I've heard a lot of good messages on it. What are the first works? I mean, we're just talking here about 
leaving our first love, right? I, I mean, the church at Ephesus, they certainly had good works. What, what's he talking about here that they needed to return to their first works? What, what, what's he dealing with here? Hold your place here for a moment. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. Verse number 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here's Martha, and she's serving. She's, she's busy, isn't she? She's doing a great work. And, and, and she's working so hard that she doesn't have time to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, she comes to the Lord and she says, Lord, there's, there's a Christian over there. There's, there's my sister over there, and she's not serving like she should. And boy, wouldn't you, Lord, couldn't you put it on her heart to help me serve? And by the way, there's a lot of churches that will do that, won't they? We're over here serving, and boy, you ought to be serving too. If you're not serving, then, then there's something wrong. But there's something that Jesus said was more needful, wasn't there? There's something that needed to be done even before service. And that was to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. To worship Him. To spend time with Him. To have a relationship with Him. I went through Bible college and <clears throat> the, the teaching was that soul winning is the primary thing in a Christian's life. It's the number one thing. Can I tell you, I love soul winning. I think it's a priority of the Christian life. But it's not the first one. The first one is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Our personal being of what we are inwardly better be right. Our time spent with Him must not suffer at, this, at the altar of service. We must first be what we should be on the inside. Can we use the Bible terminology? We must return to our first love. And we must do the first works. This idea that sitting at the feet of Jesus was more needful and could not be taken away from Mary. You say, Brother Greg, are you saying let's not worry about soul winning? Oh, no. No, no. Soul winning is a priority. But boy, my relationship with my Savior is my top priority. If it fails, if it falls, 
then no amount of soul winning is going to draw that relationship and love for the Lord Jesus Christ back. We ought to be serving out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me how many churches get up and they preach service, 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 service. Oh, we need you to serve. We need you to serve. We need you. And boy, I'll tell you what, God commands it. You better do it. Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 5 for a moment. Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Be therefore followers of God as what? As dear children. It's an interesting thought. Do you know that there are three specific relationships that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in chapter 5 in the first part of chapter number 6 that are the same relationships that He has with you and I? There's the relationship of the husband and the wife, the husband being the head of the home. Christ is the head of the church. He's also to be the head of us. He's to be the one that sits on the throne of our hearts. There's the relationship that He speaks about between parents and children. Parents are to rear their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The children are to obey their parents and to honor their parents. And by the way, we have that same relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? We are His children. Then He also gives a relationship of the master and the servant. And that's the same relationship we have with Him also, isn't it? He is our Master and we are His servant. He deals with all three of these. It's interesting in chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Well, let's go see what the relationship of children are. Look over in chapter number 6 and verse number 1. Children, <laughs> obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's what? Right. And that's where a lot of pastors and a lot of churches get up and they say, see, there it is. We're to obey God. By the way, if you can't obey, if you can't do anything other, if you can't have any other motive, then obedience is a motive to have. Can I tell you, that's not where the joy of the Christian life is. The joy of the Christian life is found in verse number two. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with what? With promise. There's reward when we honor. No reward for obedience. Obedience is just right. That's what we do because it's right. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians who grudgingly serve. Well, i got to obey God rather than man. And we almost look at it as a mark of suffering. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could love our God so much? that we didn't only obey, but we honored Him in obedience. We served out of love rather than out of duty. This church had fallen to a place where their service, all of these external things, were out of their duty to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God was saying, listen folks, I commend you for that, but I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. God would rather us serve out of love than out of obedience. Oh, that we would learn from this. 
we would learn to return to our first love. He says, remember, go back to that place. He says, repent, turn from it. He said, go and do the first works. The first works, that which is the highest priority of the Christian life. Walk with me. Just a few verses later, he talks to another church, a church at Laodicea. And he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and what? And knock. Why would God have to knock at the door of a church? If any man will open the door, hear my voice and open the door. The Lord said this, I will come into him and will what? Sup with him and he with me. That's our relationship with God. Can I tell you, service is never enough. Our relationship must be right. I'm thankful for the church God's given us. I don't think we have this problem right now. If I did, I would let you know. But I hope we'll learn from this that when or if this time ever does start to happen in this church, we'll come to this verse in verse number 5 and we'll say, Lord, this is how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to go back to that time when all the blessings of God were flowing. The joy was there. There was a love for you. I'm going to repent from the things I'm doing now that have taken me away from those things. And I'm going to return to the first works. Oh, that we would guard against losing our first love. And if we've lost some of it, and sometimes we do, maybe we need to just say, Lord, I want to come back to you. I want to do the first works. I've let that relationship slip. I've been busy serving. Lord, I've tried. Man, I've worked hard, Lord. But my relationship, my walk with you has slipped. Can we return to the first works? Let's not lose our first love, shall we? Let's stand together with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Lord, we're thankful so much for your instruction. We're thankful for your word and how it, it warns us, it tells us of these things. How it instructs us. And Lord, we're so grateful and thankful because the truth is we're, we're so fallible in our thinking and our rationale. And I, I pray that you would help us to have the wisdom to say, I would rather learn from what God has told me than to go through the experience and try to learn it on my own. So, Father, I pray that throughout this message today, you will have spoken to our hearts and encouraged us. Maybe there are some that are on the borderline of, of losing that first love. Maybe there are some that are at some point in the process of allowing other things to become more important to them. That their love for you has waned and grown dry and cold. Lord, may you return us to our first love. May we get busy doing the first works of walking with you, sitting at your feet, spending time with you. Bless the invitation, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, the piano and organ will play through a verse of invitation. If God spoke in your heart, would you come this morning?
Can we sing that chorus together while my head's bowed and eyes closed? Just as a prayer to the Lord. Let's sing it together. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. Father, we pray that You'll bless the time that we've had here together. And as we've got some things to deal with here in just a moment, I pray that You'd bless and use them. Thank You so much for Your Word, what it means to us. I pray that You would help to guide us and direct us. May it be the desire and the delight of our hearts to follow it, to learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray.